This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. ADHD Focus looks at the myth information out there about ADHD and gets you the accurate and reliable information. Today my guest is Kate Moriusef. She is a well-being coach with an emphasis on ADHD. She lives in the UK but has clients all over the world, does coaching online, and has uh, written an article in Attitude Magazine that's ADD-itude magazine, of eight rules for well-being, a aid kit for women with ADHD. It does work for us men with ADHD, but I think women end up bearing a lot of the brunt of the family organization, getting kids ready for school, etc., etc. Kate, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, you, I think you really did sort of hit the nail on the head there with the um, with the women and bearing the brunt. And, and yeah, it, there seems to be a lot of women out there who um, are just getting diagnosis now um, and then realizing why they've been struggling all their lives. So yeah, it's been fascinating and also something that I can highly resonate with because I was diagnosed at the age of 40 alongside my daughter so, um, yeah, I've got lots of insight into ADHD from all angles. I've got brothers, parents, grandparents with it. And then now, actually, it's interesting to be able to see from the, the female side. So thank you for having me. Sure. So I'm interested, how did the aid kit come about? Yeah. So, I mean, to be honest, I have been working as a well-being coach and I ended up changing my career to go into well-being as um, kind of almost like self-care for myself because I used to work in a very busy um, industry PR and it was not conducive to um, bringing up a family, um, it was very fast-paced, high anxiety and um, I was, it, was, it shot me to pieces, my, definitely my nervous system. And then I had my children, I had some time out to, to focus on the kids and I realized I didn't want to go back to that fast-paced um, way of life so I started looking into my own self-care and that's when I became interested in well-being and learning more so I trained as a health coach um, and I did various different courses including um, NLP and then I ended up having a an amazing session with what I thought was just a therapist for you know a conversation and she did EFT which is the tapping emotional freedom technique and she managed to ch just change so much of my perspective. She managed to, you know, really bring down my anxiety. And there was so much, it was just the most valuable session. And I was completely fascinated by this tapping. I'd never seen or heard of it before. But I recognized how impactful it was for me in just that one hour. So I remembered that. Um, and then fast forward, you know, five, six years later, I was like, I, I'd like to, Training this so I can bring it to my clients when I'm doing my well-being coaching 
And then I, a few years later, I then got diagnosed with ADHD and I realized that the tapping was an amazingly effective um, way of calming and relaxing and just um, allowing and accepting um, who we are and the situation that we're in. And I'm so grateful for it for myself, but also now I'm able to, to do it with my clients and I've seen amazing results in especially my ADHD clients. Um, the yeah. women have really taken to it, but I've now got a few men who I was typically sort of focusing on women, but I've, I've now had some men come in as clients and um, they are typically more you know, skeptical about the tapping, mm-hmm. but it's great to see them you know, change their mind and, and recognize that actually it's a really calming way of being able to talk and open up. And that's what it does. It helps you kind of take a deeper look into your subconscious. So many times with ADHD, and I, I can imagine it help, It happens with neurotypical people, but my practice being all with people with ADHD, I don't know. It's so easy to, to feel overwhelmed by... The little things, oh, I've got to figure out lunch and what I'm going to dinner and i got to go shopping. That's right, i got an appointment here and so-and-so's got... And it's just so many things that it can be overwhelming in the moment. So to have something you can do in the moment that brings yeah. that anxiety down and helps you get feeling, okay, I'm confident I can do this. And I think each of us can, can talk and delve into the tapping um, for a long uh, talk, but let's uh, briefly touch on all the different uh, eight techniques, strategies, um, and then we'll go back to talk about the tapping because certainly to me that's the most powerful one. Yeah, sure, no problem. The uh, first one is to move for well-being, and I think that's one of the absolute important things, but also fairly easy. It doesn't have to be, oh, okay, I've got to go to the gym and exercise. No. Mm-hmm. Walk around. Get up and don't just sit in a chair or at the table. Even if you're just bustling around the kitchen, that's not the same as go outside, take some breaths, and go for a five-minute walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you've got ADHD, it's very easy for someone to say, just go to the gym or go and do a hit class or go for a cycle. But if you're, if you don't enjoy it and you don't, um, you're not interested in it, then it's just pointless. So with ADHD, we have to find something that we enjoy. So I have a client actually who loves roller skating and that's her exercise. And, you know, she's, you know, in her forties, but that's what gives it that dopamine um, and that's what, you know, really elevates all the endorphins and the serotonin, all the different things that we want for, um, for movement. We want, to, we want to have those feel-good hormones and that's what kind of keeps us going and that, you know, reduces our anxiety. So my number one tip would definitely be what, however weird or wonderful your movement is, just choose it and enjoy it. And if you change, you know, it's okay to evolve. You know, if you have a year of cycling and then you decide you don't want to do that and you want to start swimming, amazing. But as long as you're interested in it and you enjoy it, yes. do it. Um, and, and don't follow the crowd. It should be as easy as there are three th- songs you remember uh, or you like to dance to. 
Put them on. Exactly. And dance in your kitchen. Nobody has to. Yeah. Nobody's watching. Go ahead. Yeah. Your kids are watching. Exactly. Turn around and go somewhere else pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> so that in the next uh, one we have on the list of, at least in the order they were in the article, is that tapping. Um, mm-hmm. so I want to literally skip right over that and getting into some of the others. And I think that the tapping encompasses some of these or incorporates some of these others as well. Um, and talking, mm-hmm. which is uh, not not only talking to a friend or a therapist, uh, someone you can trust, but I think also important that it's someone who's non-judgmental, someone who's not going to yeah. say, well, you know, if you would just do this, do this, do that. Someone who's not going to try to fix it. Yeah. Just accept this is what's going on with you right now. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And we don't need any more shame. We don't need anyone else shaming us because we do that enough for ourselves. Yes, so, yeah. And the self-judgment and the self-critique. Um, you know, so, we do all of that, you know, that's all going on in our heads. We, exactly what you say, we need to talk to someone that we trust that is not going to be judgmental. Um, that can be a coach, a therapist, anyone that you know is just going to be able to, to listen. But I mentioned in the article that, um, you know, there are some great Facebook groups, really supportive groups that I found that, that have been, I've not seen, you know, a, a, an essence of, judgment, no argument, no toxicity that you find in other Facebook groups. Obviously, you know, there's going to be some of that, but if you choose, uh, you know, there's lots, there's one specifically just for men, for women, Mm -hmm. and there's a huge amount of um, camaraderie, I would say, there. There's, there's, There's people there who are finally being seen and validated for the first time and mm-hmm. understanding they've got a tribe um, because sometimes we can feel a little bit, you know, out of, uh, uh, you know, yeah. not part of the, the norm. So I would definitely say talk. And, and I've mentioned about tapping and talking, which we can talk about, but that is something, um, something else. So don't, I think we ruminate enough. There's enough overwhelm going on. Let's just, if we can find at least one person in our life that can understand and we can offload to in a calm and sort of loving way, then, you know, really try and find that person. Mm-hmm. And, and the, uh, I'm talking about the fact that often I think most people with ADHD feel different. Um, they know something's different about them as we're growing up. We, we're kind of on the outside looking in, never really fitting in. Um, which then fits into the shame, I must be bad, something's wrong with me, mm. not my behavior is different. Um, and then the self-compassion, um, which is mm-hmm. both part of that self-talk um, and looking at, um, would, would you talk to a good friend the way you talk to yourself? Yeah. Probably not or you wouldn't have a good friend very long. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it is, it's, there's lots of ways that you can be sort of self-compassionate, but, um, you know, one of them is exactly that. It's just questioning your thoughts, questioning, is that really real? Where's the evidence in that? Um, remembering things that you've done really well, things that you've enjoyed, 
Um, and also recognizing that we all carry this inner child with us that, you know, it doesn't matter how old we are, but there's that wounded inner child. And when mm-hmm. we remember who we are, we kind of just take that step back. And, and again, you can do this through therapy. And I do it through EFT. We talk to that younger version of ourselves and we forgive, we accept, we guide. Um, and we, we, it's almost like you've been given an opportunity to kind of start again or you, or mm-hmm. replace these old beliefs. So it's a really powerful thing to be self-compassionate because we're forever evolving as you know humans mm-hmm. and growing and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to learn and that's just life. So the more compassion we have for ourselves when we do slip up and make a mistake, and we build that inner resilience and we, we sort of just pick ourselves up and keep going. Um, but if we haven't got that compassionate voice within ourselves, very often we don't have that compassion for others. So right. it's, it's almost like a bit of a muscle yeah. that we have to flex that we, if we're being judgmental to others or we, you know, sorry, if we're being judgmental to ourselves, we're very likely to be ju- judgmental to others. And so it's learning to be compassionate to others as well. In terms of that inner child, and I, people have, many people have heard of that, I don't I think sometimes it's hard to know what does that mean. Are there mm. particular resources that someone might, um, and I, I hate to think about if you put in inner child and hit enter in Google. Yeah, yeah, watch. I understand. But are there some good uh, either YouTube things or um, books or books. yeah so there are definitely books inner child yeah so um, I would definitely that my, my brain has literally just been put on the spot and I've got a book uh, oh that's it it's Kristen Neff so Kristen yeah. Neff is the like the, the pioneer mm-hmm. of all sides of self-compassion Self-compassion, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And whatever, anything that she does, there's a lot of stuff online with Kristen Neff. Um, And so there will be work, yeah, work on on the inner child there. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can find therapists who specialize in this type of thing. Um, I do a specific tapping technique where it's just you bring in self-compassion and we Mm -hmm. talk to the inner, ta- inner child while we're tapping, and it's very effective. Um, yeah, was, very typically, there's a lot of emotion. Familiar with Kristen Neff is connected with the self-compassion. I didn't know that uh, a lot of her work was in around the inner child, and that's great because I think that's a good, good, reliable and. Uh, yeah, it's very it's, it's connected. Definitely. Bring to that. Yeah. Right. It's connected. One of the other things uh, you mentioned, and, and I know people have heard about journaling. Oh, I have to have a certain book. I have to have a certain time to <laughs> sit down, or where am I going to have half an hour to do this? Blah blah. Um, but it, I don't think it has to be that structured. Mm-hmm. Jot down some some thoughts. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's a stream of consciousness, literally. It's, you know, it's going to go on in your head. You might as well get it out of your head and put it on 
paper. And I've been doing this now. I, I read a book um, and it's all about um, creativity. And it's oh, the book's now the book's just gone out of my head. It'll come back to me in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, it's The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And it's amazing, amazing book for honing our creativity. And, you know, we've lost, you know, the creativity in our lives and how to find it again, rediscover. And she does something um, really, really promotes something called morning pages. And that is literally as it is. And she said, that's the most effective thing. If you're going to take one thing out of the book is do your morning pages. So every morning now I sit and I write a stream of consciousness of whatever comes out. And it makes you feel so much lighter during the day because whatever worries and anxiety you've got that starts the day, it's on the page and it's not being, mm-hmm. you're not taking it with you, you know, in work, with your kids, your family, your partner, whatever. It's, it's already on paper. And very often we are our own best therapists and we know what we want deep yeah. down. That's and the, that's, the writing helps that. Writing particularly, um, a couple of things on that. I, oftentimes, people with ADHD, we don't process what we hear in auditory processing so well as what we see visually or what we're doing, visual motor, visual spatial things. So rather than trying to organize thoughts and talk to someone about it, um, or even try to write an outline of, oh, I've got to put this is important anxiety, whatever. The stream of consciousness part, just let it go. Don't worry about trying to organize it into sections or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it helps, I think, also because you're moving, moving something. Exactly. Um, yeah. And not just sitting there thinking about it. Um, yeah. And exactly. The next uh, one, and I think this is an, another one of those things that seems too simple, but does mm-hmm. have physiologic basis that when you can stop, take three deep breaths, and it takes all of, what, maybe three minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And that it's always with you. It's always something you can yeah. use. Um, yeah. It's really powerful. Um, and, and since I've been doing a lot more work in this area, uh, and speaking to my clients about it and just trying to, you know, give them really simple techniques. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. I think, you know, we do, we see a lot of stuff where um, people are doing courses and lots of things on social media, uh, but actually essentially, just like you said, it's with us the whole time. Um, something like, you know, box breathing where you're literally just doing, you know, four of each, you know, in for four, hold for four, out for four, and then hold again. It really helps, first of all, to be mindful because we are being mindful about our breath and that helps mm-hmm. us kind of detach from our thoughts a little bit. It's so calming. You know, we're, we're telling our brain, we're telling our nervous system, we're, you know, the fight or flight mode, all these different things that actually everything's okay. We're not in danger where I think perpetually we, we, we feel like we are. So we're always running on this kind of high energy, high anxiety kind of mm-hmm. feeling all day. So just, I sometimes say to my clients, just put a um, reminder on your phone three times a day, five times, however many times a day. You know, I I notice myself, if I'm typing and I'm working and I'm concentrating, I hold my breath. 
and it could be like five minutes and I've not breathed properly and all of a sudden I can feel like my chest palpitations and I'm I'm really in tune with my body now and, and I and I'm like oh that's because I've been holding my breath so then I'll take a bit of time a couple of minutes just to kind of regulate my breathing um, and just calm everything down and it's that simple and I, I genuinely believe we should be teaching this you know to kids from the youngest age possible at school that our breath is key to mental health and emotional well-being. It's Absolutely. so, and it's so and vital. Yeah, carry, carry tension in shoulders and shoulder neck mm-hmm. area, but anxiety in the top upper part of our chest. And I think that is from not only we're doing things forward all the time, particularly if you're on a computer a lot, but also because shallow breathing, you don't really expand back and pull your shoulders back and get a deep breath so those yeah. muscles in there get tighter and tighter. Um, yeah, so very much so. It's, it's all connected to the stress. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then acknowledging and accept um, the fact that, yes, I'm feeling anxious right now and I am worried about how we're going to pay the bills today, uh, this month or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Accepting that feeling is it's okay. It's okay to feel anxious. That's a normal human emotion. It's okay to feel angry at something. Uh, depends what you do. Yeah. With it. And yeah. Accepting that it's there um, is the first step. Definitely. I think acceptance is such a huge part of of this um, for me because we can live in this sort of like resistance zone and especially if we've grown up with ADHD and we've been told you know all these things throughout our life and we we don't want this you know we don't want Mm -hmm. to not be able to sit and focus and concentrate we don't want to feel like an outsider so we resist and especially with women we mask it Um, and then that feeling of just being given permission to accept just to go Mm -hmm. okay you know what just accept and surrender a little bit and Actually, Gabby Bernstein, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She, she's a great um, author and, and she's quite sort of woo-woo a bit. But um, I love her because she has a lot of great tips to bolster our emotional well-being and kind of move forward and for inner peace. And I would say inner peace is a huge part of um, the journey in ADHD. And she has this yeah. method called um, the Choose Again method. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but... It's recognizing the emotion, but recognizing the thoughts or the feelings. And then you're kind of giving yourself permission to forgive yourself for feeling that. So you're distancing yourself from that, that you are not that thought. So, yes. you know, if we go to, yes. I'm never going to hold down a job, you know, that's an old belief. And then we, yeah. And then we just kind of have a, a little bit of distance to that thought. And then we make a choice to choose a better a slightly better thought. So again, if it's, you know, I'm never going to hold down a, a job is, well, maybe I can research um, something I'm really, you know, really um, into, really passionate about, and maybe then I'll be able to hold down the job. Mm-hmm. So there's always options. There's always ways to bolster this sort of emotional flexibility of, of allowing, accepting, forgiving. And it's this ebb and flow. It's a complete fluidity because you know, one month we could be doing great and the next month, month we're back to, you know, you know, the beginning. And we have to kind of remember this pattern that we can 
just accept this is just the way it is right now and it's going to change and all of a sudden it doesn't feel life doesn't feel as difficult um it doesn't feel as pressurized i don't i don't think um that's what i've seen over the years identified and, and resonated with one thing you said in the article that resistance and suppression are the antidote mm. to grace that is mm. the antidote they're the antithesis they're keeping keeping away what we do need to access uh, accept and i think so much of the time um, before diagnosis of adhd and a number of people i've seen even afterwards they're resisting it they don't want to have it um, medications work and then they don't want to be on medicine and then some strategies work but as often the case with ADHD that becomes routine and we don't like routines it's not new anymore mm. it's too hard to keep going um, so we're suppressing the feelings but they're going to be there we can't keep them away feelings are facts to the person having them yeah Except, okay it's, they're there it's okay to feel that and one of the other uh, things you've mentioned in this section of the article was that uh, we need to forgive ourselves for not being the person we think we should be mm. now, anytime I see the word should or hear myself mm-hmm. I'm thinking should equals shame where's that mm. and that's where uh, I love the daring greatly the book of uh, Bernie yeah on yeah shame, and shame resilience and that's shame is so strong and particularly with ADHD you're growing up how come you can't do that your sister can do that you're never yeah. amount to anything why can't you just sit there and get your work done all those things that for kids it's easy to think well I'm bad I'm defective my sister's perfect but I'm the bad one yeah we internalize it as, as ourselves instead of my behavior isn't helpful so what can I change about behavior but I'm still an okay person and that's a yeah. difficult jump to make and uh, allowing accepting the fact that's there and really anxious about it take some breaths get moving all these things fit together and I think that the last of your points uh, was asking for help that's part of accepting I can't do everything myself where can I find out some more of, of how to help me function better yeah it is it's just being open I think it's being open to opportunities and resources and people um, being open to the fact that we don't know it all um, and we sometimes think that you know oh, I can sort this out I can self self-medicate self self-soothe you know sort this out I've been living with it all my life but very often we could be living like this and then you know there's an amazing resource out there and, and I've had that before with clients that have come to me and said wow I had no idea that there was all these options, you know, these, these things that I could be doing. Um, and I could have been doing them, you know, a long time ago. So just be open to, to, you know, 
someone mentioning something to you um, and someone saying, oh, you, maybe you should chat to this person or read this book because there's, there's a lot of now, thankfully, there's a lot of resources out there and there's a lot more mm-hmm. experience and knowledge and there's people yeah. coming out the whole time. Like, it's just the awareness is so much greater than it was 20 years ago. So it's good just to ask for help. And I think when you open yourself up to help, it's this energetic feeling of, okay, I'm ready to change mm-hmm. now. And the We're blocks... Moving forward, yeah. Yeah, the blocks disappear. And it's that accepting. I, I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything and how to... Um, do things perfectly. One of my clients recently said, well, I just want to, I know I don't have it together. I want to be like those those families on TV where everything works right. And I said, sure. yeah, that's TV. That's not real life. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're showing that that works right, but you don't see the other parts of their life that may be falling apart. Don't worry. Yeah. All of us have parts that aren't aren't working well. Um, well, I think yeah. we're going to have to uh, come back on an, another show to talk about the tapping because we're right up against the time on this one. Um, so I just want to mention each of the eight things we've talked about and make a promise that we will come back again and talk about the uh, tapping emotional freedom technique. So we talked about moving and for well-being, get yourself moving, use the tapping, uh, talk, talk to someone you trust who's non-judgmental, talking to yourself and your self-talk and self-compassion, writing, stream of consciousness writing is helpful just to get those feelings and thoughts out on paper. Don't worry about what they look like or the order. Breathing is something we all have with us and can help reduce anxiety and just bring us back to the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel anxious. I'm not really good at this. Yeah, I better not try to be an accountant. I really don't like sitting in a computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And asking for help. Hopefully, even picking up a magazine of attitude, if you see it, look for it online. That's asking for help. That's looking, where, where are some ideas? And, Kate, I think you've got great ideas to uh, share and and, uh, things that empower people to get through some of the challenges of ADHD. Yeah, Uh, thank you. I I do have a few other articles on attitude. So if you liked this this article, there's a couple others as well. So, um, yeah, for me, it's it's definitely about... um, improving our well-being because we're already up against it with the ADHD so we might as well help ourselves with what we can that's that what we have got access to and the resources to um and I, I do believe that when we prioritize our self-care it's mm-hmm. the, the symptoms and the comorbid, comorbidities of ADHD a lesson um and mm-hmm. life feels a bit easier to manage um especially with women when we're contending with hormones and everything. So I do believe that um, just having a little bit more knowledge and awareness around this um, area is is really beneficial. So thank you for having me on and and creating more awareness. 
And just to let the listeners know, I will have um, written down the names of some of the books and people we've touched on uh, in our talk here. And I promise we will come back again with um, a podcast on the emotional freedom technique of tapping. So that wraps it up for this episode of ADHD Focus. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.